0: Hello, everyone welcome to the chicago justice podcast i'm your host tracy siska i'm also executive director of the chicago justice project find out more, more about what we do at chicagojustice.org get involved at cjpnation.org to donate and support the patreon link will be in the show notes we'd really appreciate it we do all kinds of transparency work beyond this litigation to open data you can find out all of that at chicagojustice.org First time listening to the podcast, please subscribe. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel, smash that subscribe button. Please hit the like button and hit that bell so you're alerted every time we post. Really appreciate it. So what are we covering today? Well, you got to talk politics, right, with the Chicago election. So we're going to talk about the Brandon Johnson victory um, in the mayoral runoff election. Pretty amazing to me, to be honest with you. Okay so let's get right into it johnson's surprising victory i was surprised i thought with all the things i'm about to tell you he was up against that it was going to be curtains for johnson and i thought it would be an early victory like early early i was totally surprised by how things fell but hey it's um it's probably good for the city that johnson won i'm not a Vallis fan um i think paul has some good ideas about how to fund things and financing and things like that because he's wonky Um, but he's in my opinion done some bad things with schools across the country and um, definitely cozied up to the alt-right there's no doubt about that so what was johnson up against in this election related to crime and violence and policing and justice issues well everyone including ballas but everyone just about everyone in the election was pounding crime and violence issues. Then you have the FOP that is has alt-right management, the Fraternal Order of Police, for those who don't know the, the acronym there. They have an alt-right administration, and he just won it, so Johnson's going to have to deal with that moving forward. And then there's just the alt-right in Chicago and throughout Illinois and throughout the country just pounding crime and violence issues in Chicago, pounding it in the alt-right news. They need to deal with issues around the depleted CPD ranks, right? And this happened in a lot of major cities across the country with police leaving it um, part of vaccine mandates and COVID and not being appreciated and crying and whining. Some of their concerns, I'm sure, are valid, but a lot of them were not. I'd love to see some of those people go out and get jobs paying what they're making uh, being a police officer, but or you know, some of them went out to the suburbs. But that is an issue in Chicago, right? And it's certainly an issue that the candidates pushed, m- many of them, um, and the alt-right media in Chicago media. I'm not even well. I guess you would call Fox News part of that, and you're definitely talking about City Wire and Second City Cop and Chicago Contrarian, Crime and Review Blog, or CWB, whatever the hell they call themselves. And then so that all was they were all pushing that. And then you have the, you know, the fact that Chicago as a hellscape made it into the governor's and attorney general's race in November of last year, right? It was a, Chicago is a hellscape. All of that into this mix that I thought for sure would take down any progressive candidate in Chicago. Also in this race, were just the, I have a hard time calling them progressive but progressive candidates, um, still current aldermen, but are about to be out of a job in a few weeks. Sophia King, fourth ward, Alderperson Sophia King, and sixth ward, Alderperson Roderick Sawyer. Both pounded crime and violence. Sophia King was head of the Progressive Caucus. Roderick Sawyer, I don't think he is anymore, but at one point he was head of the Black Caucus in the city council under Rahm and thought he was gonna be this big um, power wielder that never happened right and honestly i don't think 85 percent of chicago knew who the hell either one of them were and still didn't after the, the the general election they got almost no votes um they both backed Vallis and both talked about crime and violence using brandon johnson's um defund the police comments from a couple years ago against him and we need someone who's gonna unleash the cops so, King and Sawyer went with Vallis. Their voters did not. And let's talk about that really quick. They just didn't go with him. Right? Now, you look at 17,000 vote difference. When I looked at the numbers in the mayoral election, I thought at that point it would be hard for Vallis to win because you looked at what votes Johnson got. Then you... Add on a huge percentage of Lightfoot voters. Hopefully, but not automatically, a huge percentage of West Side Latino voters from Chewy. That was by no means with the race involved in that and issues a guarantee. And then you look and add in like Sophia King and Sawyer's voters. Just on the numbers, not all of them, but any of that stretch are gonna go one way or the other, but enough of them that there was gonna be a high enough percentage of especially Lightfoot and Chewy voters, most likely. Chewy's a little bit there, but Brandon Johnson and Lightfoot votes. And then you add in a, a good percentage of Sawyer and Sophia King votes. It was really going to be whether Latinos turned out for Sawyer. That's my 20,000 view at this point. We haven't gotten really detailed analysis, but if you look at just, they did a ward analysis. I haven't gone into precincts or anything, but if you look at the ward analysis... From the general to the runoff, it basically looks like Johnson took everywhere Lightfoot took, where he took originally, everything Lightfoot took, everything that Chewy took, all the areas that Chewy won the majority of votes. And the sprinkling of where our Sawyer Sawyer and King votes came from, and probably Jamal Green, and you start going down, I mean, you're talking about Kansas that almost got no votes, those probably almost all went for Johnson. And yes, Valis peeled off a percentage of them, but not enough. I would bet that um, Paul, in my opinion, Paul Vallis screwed up in that. He, over the last few years, maybe because he was thinking of running for governor or Senate or some other more a larger state race. He did a lot of like um, cozying up with the alt-right in Illinois, Awake, Illinois, the FOP here in Chicago, Cass, the Dan Prophet, uh, one of the morning answer or something, whatever the hell that stupid radio show is. He cozy up to all of them. And maybe that runs on a statewide thing, although I don't really think it does. As you can see Pritzker easily won. I don't think it's going to win in Illinois anymore. They're just insane. What Vallis should have done was been just right of whoever his opponents were. Just right. Just barely. Fiscally conservative, but just barely right of them. The alt-right has no one to vote for. They're not going to vote for Johnson. They're not going to vote for Lightfoot or Chewy. They're going to vote for him. So closing up to them was stupid, in my opinion. Him closing up to them was stupid. And you see in this election, last I looked, and I haven't looked in another, a day or so, i uh, recording this on Thursday, April 6th, around 2 o'clock Eastern, it was like 17,000, the difference. Could Dallas have lost 17,000 votes because of the closing up to the right? Yep. Or could is cozying up to the right motivated 17,000 people who may not have voted to vote against him? Maybe not even for Johnson, but against him? Yeah, it could have. It really, really could have. And I think that may have done him in. So one last thing that we get to the um, list of what he, what Johnson was up against and I'll I'll talk about this in further pod, pod episodes, too, is you're looking at the David Brown, what I call the David Brown and Lori Lightfoot exhaustion. If you take candidate Lightfoot's rhetoric, if you take that rhetoric and use it against her, not what she did as mayor necessarily on policing and crime and violence, but if you do it, but if you take her rhetoric and use it against her, plus, in my view, and in many people's struggle, Brown, David Brown, the superintendent, she picked basically incompetent. Certainly a dinosaur in the way he wanted to police the city. Did they? As I, I talked about it in a re- retrospective on Brown and on the um layfoot losing in previous episodes recently, there are COVID issues around both of their terms. There is no doubt about it, so I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not gonna. Not I'm not going to not include that context. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, all this happened in in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, that probably really, really, really hurt life. Besides the fact she can't make a friend save her life or keep one for sure. So there was this exhaustion with her and Brown, and then you mix into that all the COVID disinformation. The FOP resisting, the FOP alt-right leadership resisting the um the vaccine, the depleted can the depleted um ranks of the CPD, officers retiring, officers going to work at suburban or rural or out of state. All of that is mixed up. Now take all of that and try to understand and think about Chicago's history and predict that a progressive wins that election. That begs the question, did Johnson win or did Dallas lose? It's a good question. I don't really have an answer now, but I am starting to lean towards the fact that Dallas lost this race. He should have, um, in my opinion, he probably should be able to win. His closing up to the alt-right in Illinois the last couple of years really, really hurt him. And he kept doing it, and he kept doing it, and he kept doing it, which was stupid. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about here for a few minutes about what we should expect from Johnson's term. First year, first year budget, and first year in general is a push, in my opinion. There just isn't going to be enough time between him getting in, and I think in May, and having to produce a budget for the city in a few months, I don't think you're gonna see massive change in the first budget. And if I was him, I don't know if I would propose it. I might start doing things like having you know, these sessions around the city for listening sessions and including people and talking about ideas, but I don't know if I would force stuff through right now that wasn't well thought, thought out. But that's my prediction, we'll see. Brandon Johnson doesn't have a lot of experience and he has no experience running an organization or a business or anything this size. So when I tell you that I I have serious concerns about his ability to do all of that, I do, very serious ones. I don't care if he's progressive or not. Nothing in his history shows me he's got the experience to handle the bureaucracy that's the city, uh, turn the police department, any of that, but we'll see will he really reduce the budget in the CPD? Well, in my opinion, he can do something really quick, which is, Mayor Lightfoot, when she created the Office of Public Safety in her office, according to an interview we did, who six, eight shows ago, maybe it had been the first one of the season, on how much the CPD costs, really costs, in that report, I'm forgetting his name right now, so I'm not going to, Uh, try to guess, but in that report that the um, gentleman issued he's he's a public employee in Evanston, works with the city government in Evanston, when he looked at it he said, hey, LIFO created this office of public safety inside the mayor's office but it took like a hundred and some million dollars 120 million is what I remember but it's something like 100 to 120 million dollars worth of responsibilities out of the CPD and put it in the office of public safety woohoo well, that's 120 million that was left in the CPD budget. She never reduced the CPD budget. So when she increased the city bu- the CPD budget, Chicago Police Department's budget, for to build the police academy, she did it entirely. She didn't take. Oh, well, you know, we're moving this 120 million dollars, whatever it is, over to my office, to this new office in my office that we created. Let's take 120 million from the CPD's budget and put it in this office, in the mayor's office, where it should go. No, 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 no. She left it in the CPD budget. Well, to me, there's hundred, whatever that is, $120 million that can be immediately cut from the CPD's budget. Now, in doing that, if the money is actually there, great. Then you got $120 million, $100 million, whatever it is to build up your crisis response and other things that you want to do without necessarily reducing any money for actual hiring of officers which reducing that would be highly controversial it probably needs to happen um but i would also say you know what a five million dollars of that money could go to producing a transparent and publicly uh viewable um Staffing analysis so we know how many officers each of these districts actually needs. Wouldn't that be nice? Sending out a priority about how we're going to police the city and then doing the staffing analysis around that and then producing those numbers so we could see what we actually need. The number is around 13,000 now, it was 13,700 and something um, back in the early 2000s. I talked before in the podcast about how that number gets generated. I'm not going to do it, how that number got generated. But I think that number right now is around 13,000 in the budget. You wouldn't have to touch any of that to move the 100, 120 million away. You wouldn't. Then, once the analysis is done, then we know do we need 8,000, 12,000, 11,000, 14,000, 15,000, whatever we need? That's the target right there. Um, My pick, and I'll get to why I think he won't do that in a little bit, because he's not going to do the staffing analysis. There are political reasons. So I also predict the first year we're going to see problems with manpower in the CPD persist. Now, they're not short. They're down from their budgeted number, but the budgeted number is bullshit. But I don't think they're going to have the easiest time firing officers, regardless of what number we're trying to hit. I think that's going to continue. You're going to have a highly combative, alt-right FOP leadership. They're still there from the last time. John Cotton already got re- reelected before the mayoral election, I think, in the fall. So he's still going to be there. The alt-right in the FOP is alive and strong. So whatever you're doing to reform the CPD, they're going to fight like anything. Anything and everything. No matter how good it is for the police, they're going to fight it. The city council, let's get over, ladies and gentlemen. They are not liberal. They are The socialists are liberal most other city council members are not liberal in Chicago. They're not. They're fiscally conservative, socially liberal to a degree, but fiscally conservative, period. That's what they are. They are the most useless bunch of people ever, which is why the hypocrisy that was on display in this election cycle of people like Sophia King, Roderick Sawyer, Ray Lopez, Brendan Riley. I can get more and more. Um, Napolitano. All this complaining about crime and violence, they're the ones that control the city. They have the power to make changes to affect people's lives. They don't do it. They don't want to do it. Why do we have tax increment financing alive and well in the city? Because the city council feeds off that for politics to get reelected. They like the stuff it builds in their wards. They like not having to go in front of the city council to get things. They like the mayor handing them out stuff they can run on. It's rank hypocrisy, but the city council's pretty worthless. Now, they are, and they took back theoretically, although they could change it when the next city council is sworn in in a few weeks. They have power, they just voted to get the committees themselves to vote on the who, who runs their committees or something like that. And I guess they can vote on committee assignments. What? Everyone says, well, that's great. Theoretically, theoretically, theoretically. And why do I say that? The reality is a strong mayor who can push things through, if you have a, regardless of whether you have a progressive, a liberal, a progressive, a conservative Democrat, Conservative, conservative, just a regular conservative or not right. A empowered city council, unless the city council agrees with the mayor 100%, will not make the mayor's job easier. It'll make it harder. So, this city council, being incredibly conservative as they are, and they are, they are going to fight Johnson on everything. I don't think Johnson, if this power is not restored to the mayor's position, which in a democracy it really shouldn't be. But if it's not, there's no way, no way, ladies and gentlemen, Johnson's agenda gets through. It doesn't. Beal, come on. No. No. Riley, Lopez, Napolitano, excuse me, Spizzato, We can go down the line. It's um, Holly Afaro who's head of the public safety right now. The public safety committees, most of it is alt-right. Most of it's right or alt-right. They don't care. They want, they don't want police pursuits to be restricted to their foot on chase. Let them chase. Let them get them. Get them. Get them. Get them. Go get them. Don't worry. They keep wives and families and mothers and kids and people out because they crash in the chase. There's nothing going to change, ladies and gentlemen. I wish, I I hope I'm wrong. But the all, the, the new city council is not putting Maria Haddon in charge of things. They're not. Alderman Mike Rodriguez, nope. Alderman Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, nope. No. You're going to get the most conservative of the city council in charge of committees. So we're back to probably some kind of city council war-ish thing where... Instead of the mayor controlling the city council chairs, the alt-right or the conservative base of the city council, which is most of them, are gonna control the council chairs, the committee chairs, and they're not gonna do anything. So you're gonna induce ordinance, ordinance, ordinance. If you keep introducing the stuff, Johnson's keep introducing stuff, nothing's gonna get done. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong in that gridlock, but I don't think so. Sorry for the grim prediction. I hope I am wrong. I would love to see reforms get done but I just don't know. It'll be really interesting because Johnson gets to pick theoretically the new police superintendent. The community commission is the one selecting the candidates this time rather than the um, city council. I may do an upcoming show on that because there's real reasons to be concerned. And the last couple, I think life would add a chance to change that and put Chicago and put a functional police superintendent in place. It thinks like she had one in the... um, in the queue, but she didn't get along with the guy. So she picked Brown. So I will probably do a show coming up on the superintendent selection process and uh, why I think it's a grim prospect. Okay. Thanks everyone. I really appreciate you for tuning in. Once again, really quickly, chicagojustice.org. If you want to find out more about what we do, cjpnation.org. If you want to get involved, you want to support our work, Patreon link below. If you're on the podcast, please hit subscribe. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, like this video, and hit the bell so you can be alerted every time we publish. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen.